Welcome to Trade Experts, flipping the script on the common narrative of international trade. We shine a light on the bright female leaders of this dynamic field in order for female voices to be heard and recognized equally in debates about trade policy, whether in the media, at conferences, or at negotiating tables worldwide. From trade policy, economics, and law to regulation, technology, and digital policy, these experts will be overlooked no more. Let's challenge the status quo. Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to the Trade Experts podcast. I'm Kelly Kemock, and I will be your host for today's interview. On this second episode of the Trade Experts podcast, you will hear an interview with Hannah Norberg, a trade economist and the lead instigator of the Trade Experts group. We will hear how the group started and the goals for the group moving forward. So to begin, tell us how it was that you were able to bring together such a stellar group of trade experts. Thank you so much, Kelly, for having me on. I'm super excited to be here, of course, and to tell this very accidental story, actually. Uh, I'm sort of in awe after these past two weeks in Brussels and at the WTO in Geneva, I'm in awe of what sort of we, uh, this fantastic beast that we seem to have built or dreamt up or um, unleashed. I don't really know. And it's very, uh, as surprising to me as it um, is to anyone else. But it seems to be a fantastic creature and, and it has a lot of fans, which is amazing, which is delightful and surprising to me. What is Trade Experts? Trade expert to me is a female trade expert, and it started as a Twitter thing. Uh, so, in last summer, there was an article in a very prominent U.S. newspaper about the USMCA, and they had interviewed twelve expert, really solid experts, people whose opinions I would value any day. The thing was just that. Um, they were interviewing 12 male experts. And I was up at when this article came out, I was on the phone with my dear friend and colleague, Susan Aronson at GW in, in DC. And Susan has very high energy. She is the most energetic person I know. And she sees this article and she gets upset. And she says, I'm going on Twitter. And she wrote something saying, this is outrageous. There are so many um, female experts, and especially in the United States, that she knows. Um, all over the world, of course, but the ones that, I mean, because this newspaper had been interviewing people in the United States. And so she said, "There, you should have looked for them. And I thought, well, she really has a point. And I should also support her <laughs> in the cause. And I thought, all right, let me get on Twitter, too, uh, and let me do something a little solution-oriented and proactive. And I, so I said, I wanted to just shine a light on it. And I said, yeah, so there are some pretty awesome female plus trade plus experts equal, mm, I don't know, hashtag trade experts out there. Uh, and we started listing them, Susan and I, the people that we knew. And the most amazing thing happened, and it was that people started nominating their colleagues on Twitter, saying, don't forget this person, and how about this one? And I work with this one, and she's completely awesome. 
we started retweeting and I started, a, someone has helped me on Twitter to start a group of these female experts, but a group on Twitter only takes 50 people. So we outgrew that in a few hours and within 24 hours we had close to 150 female, awesome female trade experts. And so that's how it started. So it was by accident, mostly. So I had to start a Twitter account because that's how I could save them, right? You know, just save the the combinations and names. I thought this is just this amazing place for journalists and for conference organizers to just come easily, just scroll scroll through a list and find more diversity. But then it dawned on me. I'm like, oh my God, look at the expertise, the background, the experience that these women have and they're all over the world and I travel and wouldn't it be I was like, oh, my God, what if I could get to know these people? What if I could ask these people questions? What if I could meet them? And so, you know, as an economist, it's all about incentives. So it was a completely self-serving purpose for me to uh, continue working on it. No, I can relate with that. (laughs) Hannah, I can totally relate to that. That's why I'm talking with you. This is why I started the podcast is because – I recognize that there are so many great women and I love talking with them and other people should know too, but also very self-serving and that I think they're interesting and I want to hear their story. (laughs) And I want, and this is sort of also, so I'm, I, I'm a self-proclaimed trade economist. So I went out on my own to do trade policy advising and to bridge the gap between research and policymaking. Um, but also between the different parts of the trade chain, right? So having policymakers be able to, to talk to implementers and to private sector and so on and so forth and the whole chain. And for me, me these are women from all across the world and, in, and through all walks of trade. So if I'm working with a chapter, if I'm helping a government writing a chapter on SMEs, I want to know what SMEs know. Right? Or if I'm looking at implementation of technical barriers to trade, I want to know what customs run into. I want to know how they work or accreditation or regulation or so on and so forth. So, yeah. and that's all in there. So to me, this is like, wow. From Design Thinking, um, the book by IDEO CEO Tim Brown, he says that all of us are smarter than any of us. And hmm. so you are putting the smartest brains together on a topic that you're connecting all of us and how much smarter we all are together is amazing. That makes me cry because that is really the whole purpose of the whole thing. I mean, in the end, we're not there yet, but that is totally what I'm dreaming of is not only having this available to others, to conference organizers and to journalists, but having it available to ourselves and to real, really, really, really take trade and trade policy forward and to really use that as a superpower for the world. The response that you got from a simple Twitter conversation is absolutely amazing. So where does it stand right now? How many people do you have in your trade expert group? Yeah, really good question. So what we did, what I did then was that I realized that I sat on this pot of gold or actually it was more like an infant (laughs) because I needed to somehow keep it alive, right? So it could grow into, you know, the emperor or something. But for now, it was like this 
brand new newborn infant that needed oxygen <laughs> and food. And so I realized, and that was not my forte. I had no idea what to do. So what I did was that for the people who seemed to be interested and had raised their hands or reached out to me, um, I reached out to them and said, hey, would you want to volunteer to help out and we'll see how we, and I used a phrase, turn this list of awesomeness into usefulness. Uh, and for those people, said, and most actually said, yes, yes, I would love that. And so I formed a group and called us the instigators. Uh, and so those people, they um, volunteer their email addresses. Um, and I started in inviting them to Zoom meetings once a month. And for now, we have about 60, um, around 60 instigators. Uh, who I send out this invite to and who come to the meetings uh, and it's randomly where somewhere between five and uh, five and 15, mostly, you know, doing five and 10 people at every meeting. Um, and then on the Twitter account, we have about 250, I think. And then we also have some people who are not on Twitter, but they are on LinkedIn. So we have the group there of about a hundred and then they're the other way around. So I'm guessing that around 300 at the moment of which 60 of us uh, have volunteered to help out sure and what does the day-to-day -day management of the instigators group look like yeah that's really cool so all these women who have gotten so far in trade are very entrepreneurial and very driven and so we have these meetings once a month where we talk about what we would like to have or like to have done and then someone will raise your hand, like you did, Kelly, right? So you're like, why don't you guys have a podcast? And we're like, uh, well, a podcast would be lovely, but we don't know how to do one. <laughs> and you're like, well, I know that. Uh, let me let me do a podcast. And we're like, whoa, yes, yes, thank you. And then so we wanted a website, and someone said, well, why don't you have a website? You really should have a website. And we're like, yeah, of course we should have a website, but none of us really are handy enough. Well, I've done a website, someone says, and if I can get some support, you know, if I could help out. And so we formed a group, and um, Steph Honey in New Zealand did a, web, did a beautiful website for us. Someone else says, we should have some funding. And so, and they turned out to be really great at getting funding. So now we have our first sort of seed money. Um, and the same was true for the WTO public forum. So some of the girls got together and, and uh, wrote an application for, for a panel, put together a proposal for a panel for the WTO, and that was accepted. And so now we have our first panel discussion there. Yes, that was great. Yeah. So um, there was a trade expert panel at the WTO public forum. Well, we all attended, but then... Do you want to give a little background of, of the panel and how it went and what the topic was? Yeah, it was really cool. So it's not, there were discussions there that was on the gender topic of trade. And that's not really our focus. Our focus is trade experts, but female trade experts and shining a light on them. So our topic was not gender related. It was about um, being young and in Africa and e-commerce and the new face of services there. So it was really cool because we have this one expert who's a brilliant journalist, Diana Dreyer, uh, and she was moderating it and she's very well read and she has her 
you know, finger on the pulse of things. And then we have um, Martha Bengoa, who is a professor at NYU, but she also does a lot of work in South Africa on macro data there. Uh, another expert has micro data. She works for uh, a company that collects really interesting data, some micro data. So Martha did macro data, and then we had someone else call in and do, do micro data. And then also... Uh, with Coho Lofelo, um, and she works as a, she's a lawyer, WTO lawyer, and that does volunteer work for developing countries and some other really interesting people. And so within our network, we could find really interesting experts. There were also men on the panel. Um, by the way. Exactly. Uh, and I, I wanted to touch on that really fast was the fact that your goal wasn't to have an all-female panel. Your goal is to have a diverse panel. You're not trying to swing the pendulum the other way and exclude men, right? All you're trying to do is make sure that it's properly represented with the all the experts that are available on a particular topic, right? Yeah, I think that diversity is key. I think in order to make any sort of discussion come to life, anything that's interesting and to really enlighten people, we need to have a variety of information coming from different sources. And uh, being a female um, trade expert is what I do. So that's sort of where we started. So yeah, definitely. I just wanted to make sure that it's not that we are excluding one gender. It's that you're trying to highlight a gender that is underrepresented in panels and media, possibly. All right, so let me try this. I mean, of course, there are uh, extreme situations, but I think that in general, we have an unconscious bias. And that it, because we keep doing things that the way we always have done it. So recently I was in Amsterdam. I came home with this skirt that I found and I really loved it and felt like home. And I was unpacking my suitcase on top of my bed, opening the suitcase. And I see that the, the pattern on my brand new skirt is very similar to the bedding on my bed. So of course I have gone for something that is um, well known to me. <laughs> I eventually give think about as being mine as being a home and as being comfortable so um that was a very unconscious bias that i recently uncovered for myself but uh, jokes aside i think that we really do things out of habit we drive the same way to work we have the same thing for breakfast we invite the same people to uh, our conferences and that sort of because it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy or we just go into a rut and so i think that there's a lot to be gained by just um, making it easy to find a more um, a sort of a wider pool of people to, to fish out of. A lot of guys from the beginning were um, nominating their female colleagues, and we've all, we also have cheerleaders who even came come to our meetings sometimes to help out and who offered to do things for us, um, offer venues for meetings and so on. And the Peterson Institute, so Adam Poston there, has been super generous with us, for example. He's offered, uh, he's helped, he lent us at Melinda Kolb, who is their uh, communications officer, and she worked with us to do a logo, for example. And so by no, no way, we're not, our goal is not to have an all-female 
um, representation. It's about having it as diverse as possible from all walks of trade and all genders and all colors and all cultures. I mean, because we all have something to bring to the table, right? Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned about funding. Can you talk about the funding yet? So, um, Michelle Egan, she's a professor um, at American University, and she is this wizard of getting funding. And so she applied for funding for, um, from the John Monet, which is EU research money. And she writes this amazing, these amazing applications for it. Yeah, so we got money for two years. And it's basically just a little bit of seed money. It will cover uh, having the website and doing a few small things. But um, she, we will be getting a research assistant five hours a week. And the most important thing is that there are money there to put together four events during two years. Um, where we will feature trade experts on different issues, trade-related issues. So we will have one in London, one in Brussels, one in Stockholm, and one in um, D.C. These conferences that you are setting up, you will emulate what you would like to see as diversity on panels, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. And we will also try to shine the brightest light, shine the most, the best information on the particular topics that are on the table that day. Mm -hmm. And how did you determine the topics? What are the topics? Yeah, well, one is, um, of course, post-Brexit. So the, whenever Brexit actually happens or not, we're going to have to set the date for them. Uh, we're going to do one in Brussels on the future of EU trade policy now that there's a new commission coming in. So um, once Cecilia's reign is over, um, what the new commission is going to set up. We have one on digital trade, digital flows and um, and trade, and that will be, will be uh, held in Stockholm in conjunction with the Swedish Board of Trade. Uh, and then uh, the one in D.C., if I remember correctly, is uh, multilaterals. So you kind of you kind of walked us through how Trade Expert started and you walked us through, you know, what you're working on currently. But tell us your vision for this group in the future. Yeah. As I said, it was very much an accidental birth uh, of this baby, and I really don't feel like I can uh, speak for whatever is coming ne next. When you were saying that I am the founder, I'd say that maybe I'm the first instigator, and, and someone was making a joke saying to me, that you run an empire, and I really don't. I shepherd. <laughs> I shepherd a few calls, um, or actually quite a few calls, but I shepherd a network. And since this is a crowdsourced initiative, it's really alive, and we'll see wherever it goes. So wherever we have in, in trade and lingo, wherever we have our comparative advantage is where we're going to go. Wherever people raise their hands and say, this is something that I'm really good at and this is something that I could add. Or um, I'm also finding that people are starting to ask us questions. Hey, could you do this? Would you look into? Can you find me an expert for? Uh, so wherever we're going, we really don't know. But just in the past two weeks, uh, we have really seen, because we're at events, represented at events in both in Brussels and 
in Geneva here in Europe, uh, we saw that we have been getting a lot of attention and people are really excited about what we do. And not just the women that are in the, in the network who I've met on Twitter or I've hung out with on the meeting, um, but people who um, randomly, and men too, who come up and just say, wow, I really, 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 really like this initiative. I'm so grateful for what you do. Uh, so it's hard to say where we're going. We're going, that's for sure. Um, but exactly what direction is <laughs> hard to know. What kind of guidance or advice or, you know, how does this next generation idea fit in with your network of experts? That's an excellent question. I think that's a brilliant question, and that's really taking it all to a brand new level. So if we talk about the next generation, as in those who are just finishing up college today, if we start with that, so the next generation, I'm hoping that for them, they will see the brilliant people who are in our network and what sort of work they do and what they have accomplished. Because to me, trade is really the pinnacle of the world. It's an amazing thing to be connected with. Uh, You know how we say that money makes the world go around. Um, And to me, trade, in economics, we vote with our wallets, right? And this way you can vote globally. Uh, And so it's really a superpower and it's really a way to influence the world to me. So in the short run, I'm hoping that the young students now look at this and say, hey, this would be something, I, I see these people who have been doing this for 30 or 40 years, the trailblazers, right? And I see uh, what complete badasses they are, and they really are, Um, and what they have accomplished, and I find it inspiring. And what if I could make that difference to the world? Sort of like, just like RBG, because we have those in our field too. It's just that they're not as visible, nor was she. But so in short term, I would like, of course, to for that in longer term for the kids that are my kids age, you know, like early, they're around 10 or 15. So they haven't started yet for them to be able to preach the power of trade and what trade policy as a force for good can do. Like, for example, the initiative uh, on how you can just prohibit trade in torture instruments and that they're really you can really make an impact by knowing what you can do in trade well um with that uh i did want to make sure that we told your personal story too um you had said that you're an economist and you went out on your own as a as a, as a consultant in order to bridge the gap of the conversation between economists and policymakers. Can you let us know, kind of, well, first of all, how you got to be in this role? If you could tell us your, your education, what interested you in trade, and you know, how did you get to where you are today? That's also a long and sort of funny story. So I, got, I had a PhD in uh, 
I have a PhD in international economics, and I did it in empirical trade. So I worked with trying to use, I was using regional data to try to prove trade theories. And, and once I was done, I, even though I had done very empirical work, I felt like I was a doctor who had never seen a patient. And so I figured I had to change gears and I wanted to try out working with where they worked, with economics. And so I took a job at the finance ministry. And there they worked with the application of economics. And lo and behold, they did no research. And so I felt like I was a nurse who was treating the patients and not having any use of all the knowledge that the doctor might, the, the doctor part of me had. Uh, and I was, <laughs> that was not what I wanted to do. And I was uh, feeling quite sad about that. And uh, I was not comfortable where I was. And so I thought, well, screw this. I'm not going to be an economist because apparently there are, no, there are no jobs that fit me. There's no way where you can treat a patient with your doctoral knowledge. And so I tried to qu quit economics. <laughs> and I had babies and I thought, I'm just going to find something else. And it was nice to have a PhD, but it's not for me. I'll try something else. But then I was sneak reading The Economist, and I was still utility maximizing as I was parking at the supermarket. And I figured that this was a deeper calling, and I couldn't just give it up. Uh, and then by chance, um, I got a job as a consultant working between doing consultancy work for uh, government organizations and working with the academics. So writing the reports where the academics would do work and uh, feed that into um, the, the non-government organizations. And I did that for um, a while, and I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, and so what we did was economic impact assessments. So whenever there was a trade policy that was to be changed, we worked with economic modeling to see the economic effects of this. And you could do that at a very specific level so you would see exactly at the end not only how trade changed but doing input output matrices in the process and SAMs which social accounting matrices you could get anything out of there so you would know exactly how production in one industry would change and you would know the CO2 emissions how they would change and wages and inequality and so on and so forth. And so I did that for a long time and really enjoyed that. But then I figured, so that was consulting. And in consulting, to me, the definition of consulting is that you come to someone who already has a finished question that they want answers to. And after a while, I really felt that more often than not, the answer that they were asking was not the correct answer to the question, to, to what they really needed to know. And so I wanted to get to the process of influencing more earlier in the process, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's advising. And there was no such role available. I couldn't find a job description that would let you bridge not only research um, to policy, but also the whole chain. I wanted to find out exactly, and this was in the TTIP, so we were talking about 
regulatory measures and non-tariff measures, I wanted to find out how those actually work and what you can do with them in trade policy. And so I did, went out and worked with those issues and the implementation of free trade agreements and so on. Um, but there was, as I said, no description of that. There was no job description. that I didn't really fit in anywhere. So I made up my own and went out on my own as a trade economist. It didn't exist, and you created it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of a barista, you know, so you can make coffee, or you can be a barista who does like it turns like an ordinary cup of joe into something completely amazing. And I thought, you know, I'm a trade economist, but I'm doing it my own way. You know, the, the way that I have to do it, I have to do it cumbersomely and I have to find out everything. I have to be able to ask all the questions that I want. So I'm more of a barista in that. And who is it that is your client? Uh, is it non-governmental organizations or companies or who is it that you serve? Yeah, my hope is that I serve anyone who does trade. So I have worked for mostly governments in different in different sections of the government, and also, um, but I also do academic work, and I've also done done um, some consulting along the way. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, and. Thank you for putting so much of your effort into creating this wonderful group. I look forward to seeing what 2020 would hold in store for the Trade Experts. Thanks for listening to the Trade Experts podcast. The website is tradeexperts.org, and you can join the Trade Experts movement on LinkedIn and Twitter. Feel free to reach out to the podcast team at tradeexpertsmedia at gmail.com.